Hello, dear listeners. Hanukkah Sameach. Happy Hanukkah. Hope that you're having an illuminating Hanukkah. We are now entering into the second half of Hanukkah 2023, Jewish year 5784. We have four days, four lights behind us, and we're entering now into the second half, which just means that Hanukkah is getting better and better and better. Sometimes we have a lot of energy coming in, but then as the holiday goes on, maybe we trail a little bit, trail off a little bit. We don't don't want that. In fact, we know the Talmud tells us that the reason that we begin lighting one candle and then two and then three and onwards is because every single day is ma'alin b'kodesh. Every single day we're adding on a little bit more holiness, a little bit more. So as Hanukkah goes on, we want to take in more. We want to be even more present, more locked in, more focused as we light the menorah, lighting up our homes, spreading the beautiful light of Hanukkah into our homes and out into the streets. So it is my great pleasure to share with you today a recording of a class that I gave about a year ago, right before Hanukkah. This was a class given for Project Inspire's MindFlex program. It is a program that I'm privileged to be a frequent guest speaker on. Usually each year right before Hanukkah, we do a couple of minutes of introduction and then breakout learning. People are learning with their study partners, mentors, and mentees and things like that. And then we come together at the end of the program for about a 15-minute wrap-up. And uh, this is last year's class that I gave on Hanukkah. And as I mentioned, as you'll hear, as you listen to the class, to me, I find that every single year with all holidays, but especially with Hanukkah, which is such a mysterious holiday, every year there's new insight. And uh, last year I was really gifted just to to hear a whole new angle to understand uh, the the essence of Hanukkah. I'll, I'll share the story. In the class, you'll hear it. It was interesting how it came about, and it was a little bit of a new insight, and I got a lot of chizik, a lot of strength from it, and I shared it with the Project Inspire audience, and I never had a chance to post it here on the podcast, but as we enter into the second half of Hanukkah, I think that you'll really enjoy it, and maybe it will give you a little bit of a jolt, a little bit of an infusion into into your Hanukkah, end off strong, second half of Hanukkah, and uh, hopefully it will give you something to take away. So I hope that you enjoy it. And uh, please, please, if you haven't yet taken some time on whatever platform you listen to this podcast to just subscribe to it and to give it a rating. Lots of the platforms allow you to rate it with a couple of stars. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can actually write some comments. If you're enjoying the podcast, please write that because from what I understand, the more that you comment on it, the more that you share it with others, the more that uh, these platforms do what they have to do to get it out to the world who knows who knows but either way either way if you hear some Torah that you enjoy it why not share it with others and help them appreciate it as well and we have other great guests coming up if you haven't if you didn't listen to last week's podcast with Pinson that will blow your mind so deep so incredible um, I hope you're enjoying all, all of our content and I hope that you'll enjoy this class here we go This is the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, where we explore the beauty of Judaism, the depth of Jewish wisdom, and how to live a more empowered life. All right, everyone should turn on your videos and be on the recording. So, okay, so you should just know that I I have multiple devices surrounding me that we're trying to get on the Zoom, so I feel like at any point in time, you're just going to be seeing like 10 of me. You know, just from all different angles. So just bear with me. But anyhow, I'm on my phone. 
the Shlomo Bakstam that you're seeing now is the phone version. And I'm just scrolling through on my phone to see all of you and like, it's like nonstop. How many people, Danielle, how many people do we have on the call tonight? It looks like we have 70 people. Oh, look at this. I just signed it from another thing. Okay, hold on, everyone. Hold on. I'm leaving here. Stay where you are. As I was saying, it is wonderful to see everybody again. And how amazing is it that we are here right before Hanukkah, which, you know, there's so many different aspects to Hanukkah, but what people don't realize is that Torah study, to learn Torah, and specifically the way we're doing it, the Chavrusa, one-on-one with a study partner, to delve into a concept, delve into an idea, is so much, so deeply connected to what Hanukkah is all about. There's a, a fascinating piece of Talmud. Our sages say that around the Hanukkah time, around the, the story of Hanukkah, that is when this whole idea of machlokas, raise your hand if you're familiar with the term machlokas. Machlokas is debate. Good, people are raising their hand. Machlokas is debate. Debate in the Talmud. We know, right, you know, what do they, they say? Two Jews, three opinions. Where does that start from? It starts from the Talmud. Every single page of the Talmud is full of rabbis debating, arguing. And for someone who might be new to Torah study, this could be disturbing because we like to think that something, that the word of God is going to be black and white and uh, everything will be clear. Tell me what to do. You know how many people ask me questions and they're just like, hey, Rabbi, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Like they want just a clear answer. And here you open up the pages of the Talmud and it's full of debate. And our assumption is, well, someone's got to be right and someone's got to be wrong. And because of that, when our sages say that around the Hanukkah story, around the time of Hanukkah, when it became more difficult for the Jewish people to study, and therefore there was now more debate amongst the rabbis, one might get nervous about that and say, you know what, maybe certain ways the Yavani, the Greeks won because they confused us. They confused our Torah. They sent us in multiple paths. They mixed us up. And the great, great mystic and rabbi and Rosh Hashiva Raputner asks this question. And he says, actually, the opposite is true. The opposite is true. And even though it may seem that through all of the debate and all of the machlokis, so part of the authenticity of Torah was taken away, the opposite is true. A new beauty of the Torah was revealed. The fact that Allison and, and Rachel and, and, uh, and, and Ayla, and uh, Luciano is here, right? The fact that you guys can sit, we can all sit down and we could learn together and we can have debate and I see this and you see this. And you know what? We can both be right. The, the, the Talmud has a powerful line, Elu ve'elu, dire'elu kimchaim. Multiple opinions and yet maybe saying the exact opposite things. And yet who's right? They're both, there's an aspect of truth to both. And that actually shows the beauty of Torah beauty of Torah, a new beauty of Torah that was revealed right around this time of Hanukkah. So it is a wonderful, wonderful merit to be learning together specifically to create dialogue and learning in a Torah study. And I just want to say this as we're about to break up into these sessions to get into the one-on-ones, but obviously we know that there's a lot of mystery surrounding Hanukkah. It's not just that Hanukkah is in a dark time, but there's 
a lot of mystery surrounding Hanukkah. We know Hanukkah's eight days because of the tremendous miracle of the oil, right? And, and we know that that itself creates a question, the most famous question in Jewish literature is this question about Hanukkah that why eight days? And which maybe only be seven days because there was enough oil to last for one day. And we know that there are a myriad of answers to this. There is not one question in Judaism that has more answers to the question of why Hanukkah is eight days. And that creates a, a mystery and intrigue around the entire holiday. But one has to wonder, is it merely a coincidence that it's an eight day holiday? We know the number eight is a fascinating number in Judaism. We know that seven represents the natural order of things and eight is the number of transcendence. So is it purely a coincidence that it took that long for them to get this new oil? Or is there a much deeper message about the essence of the day? What is this number eight? How does it connect to Hanukkah? And like every other holiday, if a, a holiday can never, a holiday is never just a commemorative event. Why do we celebrate this holiday? Because this happened 2000 years ago. This happened 3000, uh, never. A, a, a holiday is always meant for us to look at our own life, look at our own world, our own spirituality. And as we go through the source sheet tonight, I encourage you to ask the question, what is the depth of the number eight? How is it relevant to my life? How is it relevant to my spirituality? And how is it relevant to where I am right now? Something to think about as you're going through the sources. We'll meet again on the other side. Sorry for the late start. We'll meet again on the other side. And we'll wrap up all of these ideas together and, and, and focus on probably a beautiful new aspect of Hanukkah. One that in all of my years, never I never realized before. This idea, I was uh, Danielle mentioned, I was on a trip recently to Israel. I was in a cab. <laughs> the craziest things happen in cab rides in Israel. And a cab driver... Uh, made me aware of a certain aspect of Hanukkah that I'd never heard before. And I'm excited to share that with you at the end of the session. So enjoy your one-on-one -on -one learning and uh, I'll see you again on the other side. Okay. How did it go? Give me a thumbs up. You like your learning partner? Okay, Torah is beautiful. Jews are beautiful. Let's talk a little bit about Hanukkah. So interesting, Danielle mentioned that I was in uh, Israel last week. So there's hashkacha pratis. There's divine hand in everything. And, you know, I don't know if anyone here has any disaster travel stories, but um, just to put it bluntly, I missed my flight to Israel. It wasn't pretty. I was going with my daughter. We left too late and we got stuck in DC traffic and I missed the flight. Well. So, you know, obviously, we all, you know, when, whenever you miss a flight, that's like your time to put everything that you teach, all of the like Emuna classes and all the mindfulness and all of the manifesting, like you just got to put it all into practice. So I was like prepared. I was like, this is my big, you know, I can't just talk the talk. I got to walk the walk. So I'm like, you know what? Everything's from Hashem and I'm doing the whole thing. But like, Obviously, deep down inside, like, you know, you're just wondering, like, I'm keep, I'm, I keep on checking the phone to see, like, is the plane going to crash? Like, there's got to be some reason why I missed the flight, right? Of course, you know, it's going to be my my story. I want to get into what is the, the Living Amuna series, you know, the, like, you know, what's going to happen? Anyways, I didn't quite know what was going to happen. And I still don't know why I missed the flight. 
but I can tell you that because I missed the flight, I had to rebook, because I had to rebook, I was going for a wedding and I was going to miss the wedding. So ordinarily I would have taken the train, but instead I hired a driver. So I'm driving back, you know, from the airport, from Ben Gurion Tel Aviv to go straight to, straight to the airport. And, you know, I'm schmoozing with the cab driver. And the, the cab driver, he says, well, you, you know, I don't, I don't always, you know, drive cabs. Well, not a cab, but I don't always, you know, drive people, but I'm a tour guide. And um, I'm not getting a lot of business these days. So I'm doing, you know, this to kind of supplement my income. So I said, all right, well, do you have any interesting, like, you know, tell me some tour guide stuff. Do you have anything interesting planned? What's your next tour? He says, well, I'm doing a Hanukkah tour. He says, I have every single year a set Hanukkah tour. And that's when I tell the real story of Hanukkah. So I said, well, what do you mean by the real story of Hanukkah? And he shared with me something fascinating. And again, I'm looking around through the, and I see we have a lot of Tamidech Chacham and a lot of very wise people. So maybe I'm going to tell you something that you already know. But again, for me, it was new. And he said something quite magnificent. Because again, obviously, it's the whole eight-day thing is, like, like I mentioned earlier, it's very unusual. And especially to think that like eight is such a, such a prominent number in Judaism, to think that it was just a technicality that it would take eight days for them to get pure oil, there's got to be something, you know, something significant about why specifically eight days. So he pointed to a sefer, a Jewish book, a Jewish work called the Orach HaShulchan, Raise your hand. Have you heard of the Orach HaShulchan before? Have you learned a little bit of the Orach HaShulchan? So I don't know if you've learned the Orach HaShulchan on Hanukkah, but he says something that is very, very interesting. He says that when the, during that year that the Jewish people were under such terrible persecution from the Greeks, so when it came Sukkot time, remember that Sukkot is the only other festivals, the only other holiday that is eight days, right? Okay. So he said when it was Sukkot time, they couldn't do any of the temple service on Sukkot because the Greeks didn't let them, right? The whole temple was, was being occupied by the Greeks. They couldn't get in. So therefore, there was no temple service done. So when it came Hanukkah time and they liberated the Beis English, they liberated the temple, they said, what can we do now? Like, what? how should we celebrate this? And they said, you know what? We missed Sukkis. Sukkis is an eight-day Chag. We missed Sukkis, which is seven days, and then the eighth-day Shemunyaseris. So why don't we celebrate Sukkis now on Hanukkah? Have you ever heard this before? Good, so I'm not the only one. Let's celebrate. And not only that, but so we know that the entire Hanukkah story is based on a few lines in, in, in the Gemara and Talmud and Tractate Shabbos. So just a couple of lines. But there's more information that we know about Hanukkah from a book that it's not a hundred percent clear how whether whether it's it, how historically accurate the book is, but there actually is a Sefer Hamakabim, like almost like a Megillah. It's not considered one of the books of the Torah, but it does give us some information. And there's a very interesting piece of information that it says in the Sefer Makkah, the Sefer Makkadim, as to how they celebrated that very first Hanukkah. It says in Sefer Makkadim that they went into the temple via Chogu, they made a holiday, uses the language of Chag, similar to Sukkot, and it says, how do they celebrate it? They took Kapos Timarim and Arve Nachal. Do you know what those are? 
that is a lulav and an arava. Those are sukkah species. Very interesting. They took sukkah species on Hanukkah? Why would they do that? Well, according to the Yorah HaShulchan, it actually makes a lot of sense. Because the, the, the way that they were celebrating it, again, that first year before they established it as a holiday of Hanukkah, but the very first Hanukkah was actually a makeup sukkah. Do you know that Hanukkah and Sukkot are the only two holidays during the year when for eight days we say the full hollow? And you know, you know something else very interesting? It says that, listen to this, listen to this. The, I don't remember it. My, I don't have my, my own computer open because of the whole mix up, but I believe it's in Mishnah, possibly in Sukkah, that says that on on, um, on Sukkot, we know that there was a big party in the temple every Sukkot, right? It was called the Simchat Beis HaShoeva. The Mishnah says that the Kohanim would juggle fire. That I think we are familiar with, right? You've heard that before? How much fire would they juggle? The Mishnah says they would juggle eight torches. Eight torches they would juggle. Do you know that there is a Machlokis, there is a dispute between Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai. Beis Hillel says that you light, when you light candles, the way we do it, first night is one, second night is two, third night is three, fourth night is four. That's how we do it. Beis Shammai comes along and Beis Shammai says, on the first night, you light eight candles, then seven, then six, then five, then four, then three, then two, then one. We don't go like Beis Shammai. But when asked to explain himself, Beis Shammai, why, why do you say that? Beishamai says the following three words. Kineged pare hachag. What does that mean, kineged pare hachag? Because on Sukkot, they would, we know that they would bring 70 sacrifices in the temple. 70, and the way they would do it is they would have the largest number on the first day, and then minus one, and minus one, they would go less and less and less each day. So Beishamai says the same way that on Sukkot they minimize the sacrifices, on Hanukkah we minimize the amount of lights. Why in the world is Beishamai trying to learn a halacha about Hanukkah, a law from Hanukkah, out from the law of Sukkot? The answer is all of this is pointing to one thing, that the very first Hanukkah celebration was actually Sukkot in the winter. Now, why do I think this is something that is so amazing? Why do I think this is, I get so excited. I'm like, it was worth missing the flight just for this. It actually was not, probably not worth missing the flight, but who knows, maybe it was. Maybe it was, maybe for a piece of Torah. But it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. But I think it's so beautiful because there is a line in the great Hasidic commentator, the Svas Emes. And the Svas Emes says something beautiful about Hanukkah. He says that, if we think about it, in the beginning of the year comes Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot, and we have such a spiritual jolt, right? Raise your hand, how many people over here on Sukkot, you were just flying high, right? You were coming right off of Rosh Hashanah, and then you had Yom Kippur, and you fasted, and then it came Sukkot, and you sat in the Sukkah dwelling in God's shade for seven days, and then you danced on Simchas Torah, and you were like, I am never going to be the same Shlomo Baksanam again. I mean, that's it. That's it. This was a game changer. <laughs> Every other year I thought it was a game changer. No, this year is a game changer. And then you know what happens? 
See, Hashem very strategically places all of the holidays because we know that the time of year, the seasons, the Yavim Tovim, the holidays are very much connected to the seasons. And all of the holidays, Pesach is in the spring, and then Shavuos is closer to the summer, and then comes Rosh Hashanah is right after the summer, and these are all in those spring-summer months. Yom Kippur, Sukkot, everything is in the months of long days and short nights. And then right after Sukkot, slowly, slowly, the days start getting darker and darker. The nighttime starts getting longer and longer and longer. And the point of Hanukkah that comes right around the winter solstice is when the nights are long and the days are short. And the Svasema says that that's symbolic of the fact that the kochos hatuma, the power of the negative forces, gets stronger and stronger and stronger after Sukkot. And again, I hope looking around, they see we have a very, very special crew over here. But again, many human beings might feel that after Sukkot, where it seems like everything should go so beautiful, so amazing, suddenly it gets harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. And sometimes when it comes Hanukkah time, we're already depleted. And we're already looking back at this past where Shoshana and Kippur Sukkot, it was so long ago and we're like, I think this was just another year. I think this was just another high, and now it came down from that high. And the significance, I believe, of this idea that the that the the Chashmonaim, that they decided to celebrate Sukkot in the middle of the winter, is a reminder for us that just when you think that you've lost that fire, just when you think that you lost that spark, now comes Hanukkah time. Celebrate Sukkot again. Get back to that. Recommit yourself. Hanukkah is a rededication. Recommit, try to ignite inside of yourself that fire that you felt not too long ago. Because Hanukkah is meant to be a turning point of the year. It is the gateway to the winter. And as the world gets colder and colder and colder, something else happens. Slowly the days start getting longer and longer and longer. It's an amazing, amazing thing that sometimes when we feel so low in our spirituality, sometimes that's actually the beginning of the greatest aliyah. And I think that it's something that is so important for us to remember. And one of the things that I loved about the source, the source sheet, was how it showed that, you know, Hanukkah is so much connected to our homes. Because in our homes, very often, we might look at the various relationships. <laughs> Someone is asking, but I'm sure the people south of the equator. Um, we love you, but you don't fit into any of the holiday Torah. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, but um, very often we look at various relationships in our life. It could be with the spouse. It could be with God. It could be with our children. And we think about the good old days. I remember when things were so light, things were so bright, things were so fun, things were so cute, things were so simple, things were so easy. What happened to that? Hanukkah time is a time of rededication to that. The, the idea of having sukkahs in the winter is to say, I can reconnect. I want to try to remember what it was like and how can I bring that? How can I bring that now into the now, into the moment? How can I reawaken that love, reignite that spark inside of me? That's essentially what Hanukkah is all about. And therefore, it has to come specifically now, specifically at this moment of transition that happens in the year. And if I could just end what Danielle introduced me 
as the author of a book that I, I really, I, I take a lot of, gives me a lot of nafas and I feel privileged that I was able to write it called The Four Elements of an Empowered Life. And it's really about understanding your inner world, understanding the different parts that are inside of you. Well, there's a beautiful idea in Hanukkah as well, and that is when we look at the candles. So we know that a candle is made of a, of a ner, which is the actual um, light itself, the, the flame itself. Psil is the wick, and shemen is the oil. And ner, the nun of ner, the pay of psil, and the shin of shemen spells nefesh. Nefesh means our soul, our inner world. And if you actually look at these three things, so, so Kabbalah says that the psil itself is like our physical body. The shem and the oil is like our emotions. And the flame is like our soul. And that's the, that's, that's the nefesh. And when we look at the candles, we're supposed to see in the candles a reflection of ourselves. We're supposed to see ourselves as the candle and the different parts of our inner world reflected in these candles. And it's supposed to be a reminder to us that even if for whatever reason life has taken its toll, even if we're not feeling as spiritually inspired as before, even if our relationships are not where we would like them to be where it once was, Hanukkah is a time to rededicate ourselves to our greatest potential, to really see ourselves as the burning fire, the flame that we are, the flame that we can be. And use Hanukkah as an opportunity to, to change the trajectory of our year, to find new joy, to find new simcha, to find a new reason for Chag, a new reason to rejoice, lehodos, to have gratitude, lehalal, to find joy. We have to take control of our joy. The world has a way of making us sad for no reason. And when we're sad, we start saying, we start looking at different things. It must be my job, it must be my spouse, it must be my kids, we blame everyone but it's just the natural flow of life. And Hanukkah is a push for us to reclaim our joy by saying we are responsible. When we do that, we can really reignite ourselves, reignite our homes, ultimately reignite the world. So I want to wish everyone a Hanukkah Sameach. It should be a time full of praise, full of song, full of joy in your homes. And may we dance together, not only on Zoom, but with Mashiach Tzitkenu in Yerushalayim. Thank you all for joining. Danielle, thank you for staying up. Amen. Good night for you. Thank you so it. much, Rabbi Buxtam. And thank you so much to Eliza Sakowitz, who did all the technical work behind the scenes. Thank you all so much for joining us and wanted to wish everybody a happy, happy Hanukkah. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and you can always go to rabbishlomo.com for more great content and resources and to connect directly with me.